You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 230. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from com. With me, as always, Brandon Lee Gowton, com. We are recording on the final day of 2021. Uh, goodbye, 2021. Hello, 2022. Brandon, any New Year's resolutions for you? I was going to ask you this question, Jimmy, <laughs> for you. Uh, so good job by you by beating me to it. I have one that I would like to stick to, but I don't know if I will be able to, and that is talking slower because I tend to talk really fast. I feel really bad for people who listen to this podcast on 1.5 speed. I think that's like barely doable because <laughs> I've, I've you know, tested it out, and I'm pretty quick, so I need to do better at that uh, in addition to enunciating more stop so i could really just afford to talk better so that's that's one of the things i have this crazy resolution from last year jimmy that it's maybe it's not even a resolution uh but i feel like i can get into that a little bit later i don't want to share it at the top because you know it's just something to keep the listeners uh you know leaning on the edge of their seats as they're tuning in to find out what that is so before we get into all that righteous felon craft jerky that should really be the listener's New Year's resolution is to go to rightsun.com <laughs> and load up on the craft jerky by using discount code BGN15 for 15% off. Jimmy, what about you? So I don't really have a new one necessarily, but uh, a continuation of I – w- I wouldn't even say it was previously a New Year's resolution, but um, I have – the last time I didn't publish an article in a single day was – it's like August 20 something. It was the day after um, my dad died uh, in mm-hmm. 2019. So uh, I've published an article every single day since the day after my dad died uh, in 2019. And I have like 140 ish days to go to reach a thousand straight days of publishing at least one thing. So wow. uh, I want to make sure I, get that so that all the benchmark to clear uh if anyone was going to like uh uh publish a tracker like we've done all year with carson wentz and his snap counts uh the target date for that would be sometime in may so i'd like to keep that uh going until at least then or maybe go with like the full three years which would be you know of course august 20 something in you know of 2022 why not just go until you die, Jimmy? Why not just you know keep it going, lifelong? Well, so part of the part of the New Year's resolution is for me to just finally not publish something in one day, like okay, to know that that's okay to do, not to just not work one day. That'd be that'd be nice to have. Although I I can't say that I've worked every day. Like I'll maybe write an article for like the right. next day or whatever, and then just sure. wake up and publish it. So that's not really working. But uh, yeah, I'd like to keep that streak alive. 
All right, Jimmy. Well, a lot to talk about with the Philadelphia Eagles, yes. who are <laughs> in the mix and in all likelihood, uh, you know, not guaranteed, but, you know, things are trending in a way that very realistic chance. I mean, they can clinch as soon as this week, week 17. So a lot to talk about. Um, before I guess we get into kind of the, uh, you know, what's coming up this week in week 17, which really is kind of throwing me off a little bit, you know, week 17 not being the final week. Like I know. It's just weird, you know, yeah. 18 game season. It's hard to get adjusted to. It, it's, it feels a little off. I'm like, wait, week 17, like, it feels like this should be the finale. And it's even the timing of year, you know, because usually it's around the time of year, too, obviously, as well. It's like uh, remembering anyway. to call the Chargers the Los Angeles Chargers instead of mm. the San Diego Chargers. I'm good with that. I feel like I don't mess that one up, but Take I know. Me a while on that one. Well, we see that. The Oakland Raiders, I think I've, I've been guilty of that, um, doing that a little bit instead of Las Vegas, mm-hmm. but. So instead of talking about the Giants game, which I think there isn't the most value in doing because it was, it was straightforward from a standpoint of the Eagles were playing Jake Fromm and Mike Lennon, <laughs> right. and they beat up on them. Um, kind of wanted to go a little bit big picture here, you know, touch on some things yeah. that happened against the Giants. And it was the second game in a row where the Eagles got off to a slow start. Do you have any levels of concern with with that, like this team getting off to slow starts. Well, they have two games in a row now where they've done that. Um, I mean, the first half against the Giants was horrible. If they had played a good team, a good team might have just buried them in the first half, and they they could have gotten uh, in, you know potentially in such a big hole that they weren't going to be able to climb out of that. But because of the half, it was three three. They finally you know got their act together and they played really well in the second half. But uh, you know, against, again, against a good team, it might not have had that opportunity. And then, of course, against Washington, they got behind, what was it, 10 nothing? I think, to them? Or only it was the fluky play. I mean, half fluky. I mean, Dallas Goddard did drop the pass. It was fluky mm-hmm. in that it kicked off of his heel, popped up in the air, and they they were, you know, Washington was able to pick that off. Uh, second drive, uh, that you know, they had the strip sack of Jalen Hurts. And they're down 10 nothing. It's like, oh, man, this is, of course, uh, a replay of the Joe Webb Tuesday night game. Uh, so, you know, they were able to pull themselves out of that, wind up – you know, outscoring them what I guess twenty seven to seven the rest of that game. So they've finished strongly and they've they've sort of gotten their heads out of their uh, asses, I guess. Uh, you know, <laughs> after some slow starts, but yeah, I, I believe it's a concern going forward. You don't want to see so against this Washington team in particular that is so down right now and it's just reeling like they're just a complete mess. They got run all over by the Eagles in that game, two hundred thirty eight yards on the ground. They get absolutely destroyed by Dallas on. You know, Sunday night football in front of a national audience. He got like defensive linemen swinging at each other on the slide on the sidelines, and, and they they might play two quarterbacks in this game against the Eagles. That's a team that you don't want to give life to early in the game. I think it's pretty important actually that the Eagles get out to a faster start in this game than they have the last two games because you don't want to give them any reason to want to you know compete in this game. Like bury them early and get out of there with the win, and you know maybe and we'll get to this later, of course, but. Uh, you know, maybe have a chance to clinch after week 17 and be able to rest starters crazy enough in a week 18. So, yeah, I do think that's a big concern, the slow starts that they've had. And it's imperative that they that they get off to a faster start this week. The Eagles really could have been in a bigger hole against the Giants because they almost turned the ball over three times right, early right. in the game between the freaking the first play of the game, the opening kickoff <laughs> yeah. that Kenny Gainwell fumbles um, and totally loses control of that underrated moment to me, like J.J. Arthago Whiteside being able to come up with that. Yep. And, you know, like, you know, not saying you need to uh, give him a ton of flowers or whatever, but, you know, that was a nice moment for him who's kind of, you know, he's carved out this role as like the dirty work guy. Uh, 
But you have that. You have the Jalen Hurts interception, which easily could have been an interception and was dropped. And then Jalen Hurts fumbled too. And that was recovered. So like to get away with all three of those, I mean, I think the Eagles still win the game, even if they don't get, even if there are are a couple of those were turnovers. But man, like again, like you said, against a better team where the margin for error is slimmer, that's concerning. And not only like going up against a better team in, in that reality, but I think also because of how the Eagles play. You know what I mean? They're not an offense right, that's yeah. going to be able to like, you know, all right, well, we're down multiple scores. We can just, <laughs> you know, yeah, air it out and we'll be <laughs> back in this game in like a couple of minutes. You know, like one of these elite passing offense can like, no, like if they're down, uh, I don't know if it's identical to this, but one of the things I always criticize the Cowboys for uh, and and not not necessarily where they are now, but earlier, I guess, on in Dak's career and they're really relying on their run game and Zeke. It was like, if you could get out to a lead on the Cowboys, they're not going to be able to get back into the game because like they, they, they're front runners the way they would play. Like they need to get out into a lead and they control the game. They run the ball. And once they're in that spot, they're probably not going to blow the game, but the weakness is they're probably not going to be able to get back into a game. So I think that's something to consider uh, with these slow starts as well. But part of the reason the Eagles have been starting slow is because the starting quarterback has been starting slow. Yeah. And to his credit and to the team's credit, there has been resiliency. And I absolutely think that has to be acknowledged. But again, against these better teams, you're not going to have that opportunity to be as resilient and come back where the margin for error is smaller. Uh, so I asked you, Jimmy, full disclosure to listeners, as we walked out of the press conference room uh, mm-hmm. uh, after the Giants game. And I think I've basically been trying to check in with you with this. Like every time <laughs> I see you in person after right. a game, like, all right, Jimmy, Jalen Hurts stock tracker. We go in stock up, stock down, or stock even. And I don't think you had a clear answer for me after the game. So did you come up with uh, – I mean, I don't think you're going to say stock up. Yeah, but it wasn't stock up. So well, it was, what was it? It was either stock down or neutral. Well, which, you I, had to commit. I, which one? Right. So I went neutral. Uh Okay. I, you know, but it could have been either one of those two, stock down or neutral. But I think he was firmly in the neutral camp with the way that he came out. And, and as you mentioned, the resiliency that he and the rest of the offense had, and the team in general, really, uh, in that second half and the way they were to put away a bad opponent. Um, yeah, it was neutral for me. But um, <laughs> again, like it would have been a down potentially against a good team because they might not have been able to, they might not have had the opportunity to, to you know, kind of get their, their, their stuff together and, finally put put that you know trash giants team away but yeah for for me neutral how about you uh i put him in my i don't know section um, oh right okay of my winner losers i don't know so i had him so in that vein kind of neutral but you know leaning towards down obviously more than up um the resiliency is nice and all that like again i don't want to give him zero credit for that but some of the issues that we saw, I thought were concerning. Obviously, you know, losing another fumble, uh, you know, interception that was dropped. And then, you know, the, one of the interesting talking points to, uh, uh to, interesting to me, at least coming out of this game was the Dallas Goddard being wide open in the end zone and Jalen Hurts didn't see him. And then everyone was like, well, actually it's okay because <laughs> Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts, you know, talked about the progressions and the reads and everything. And I acknowledge that, but. I think that kind of you're kind of focusing too much on one play then if you're if like your takeaway is that well he doesn't miss you know reads because he does and I think that it has been a problem where there have been you know missed opportunities or, or plays left on the field this year it might have not been in that instance and even if you know you you forgive him for the the Goddard aspect of that he was still late 
getting the ball out to Quez Watkins, right, I think you could argue, right, right. on the crosser. And that's another thing that he's been guilty of is holding on to the ball too long. So to me, like the bigger issues that go on with Jalen Hurts, like you, they were still shown in that play. And even if we write off that one play, like it doesn't change that those are, are like issues for him. Can Are those things that can be fixed? I don't know. Like I think it's interesting to talk about you know, Jalen Hurts' development. And I've said, I think, for a while that I kind of, I'm more skeptical that you can just drastically improve. I know he's young, but I just don't, think you're going to see night and day improvements. I think you see more uh, improvements along the margins. Um, I guess, what do you make of that? So first of all, I think that like one of the funny things that has sort of uh, emerged um, in, you know, media or whatever is, you know, there's, like there's little dots that like it shows like each player is represented by a dot and the dots move around the field. <laughs> like that's like the worst thing to have ever happened to the quarterbacks in the NFL. Cause like a dot will be like you know, nowhere near other, any other defenders. Like, what are you doing? Why did you throw that guy? But you know, it's like, it's, it's easy for, from our perspective to just look at dots and like where they are on the field and know like, okay, you should have gone to that guy. Whereas it's totally different when you're actually on the field and, and looking at the play. And I thought actually Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts did it both did a good job of explaining why the sure. ball didn't go to Goddard on that play, which, uh, you know, based on the pre-snap look, uh, that play, you know, Goddard would have normally been covered in the back corner of the end zone uh, to the to the right side, but Giants busted the coverage. So Jalen Hurts can't know that the, there's going to be a coverage bust. He's got to you know, you know, read what the defense is showing, and then mm-hmm. okay, so that so he's out. He's like he's out of the excuse me, Goddard is out of the picture at that point once he reads what the coverage is. And then, as you mentioned, you know, the next look would be Quez on the crosser coming, you know, from from right to left. But as you said, like he, he was even late uh, on that throw. And I thought it was actually funny, too, that, um, you know, that the Eagles, you know, had PR guys, uh, Bob Lang, um, I guess, you know, had told Nick Sirianni that a lot of people were tweeting about Goddard mm-hmm. being wide open in the end zone because he debriefs uh, Nick Sirianni before each uh, press conference. It's and good Nick PR Sirianni, right there. Sirianni even like uh, acknowledged that that Bob brought up that, you know, a lot of people were saying Dallas Goddard was wide open in the end zone or whatever. So he even addressed it before we even asked about it. Like he, Nick Sirianni actually brought that play up on his own. So yeah, you're right. Like it's just one play, and and it was sort of like a lot to focus on uh, in that in that you know press conference. Setting. both he, both you know Sirianni and Hertz, both talking about. It. I thought their explanations again were were totally fine. But sure. yeah, I, I'm with you that it doesn't excuse the you know the you know missing open players as he's done you know for the really the better part of the season and it's to be expected by the way of a second year quarterback who you know is making his what 20th ish start uh in the nfl so uh you kind of live with that for for a young player uh for me the bigger issues are accuracy which has improved over the course of the season but yeah i mean i think that where are you with you know them going after a quarterback uh you know this off season for 2022 and beyond Wait, what? What did you where, mean? Where, where are you? Like with? Oh, the, I thought you said the, the worry, and I was like, oh, no, <laughs> where are, what are you? you talking about? Where are you with them going after a quarterback this offseason? I mean, I think I don't think Jalen Hurts can be Plan A. That's how I feel about it. Like, you can't just be like, you sit down after the season, like we're not even going to look at any other options. Like Jalen Hurts, or that's the thing. Like, and I think some people want to rush to do that, and I just don't understand why you would settle for less at the most important position in the sport. Like I get that Jalen Hurts uh, has positives. Uh, he's a highly rootable player. Um, he is on a you know cheap rookie contract. Like I get all those things, but I don't think that means you don't try to get the very best player you possibly can get at the most important position and not just football, but all the sports. Like I, I just think it'd be crazy to not 
at least look at the other options. I don't know, you know, how that search is going to come up. I think there's a decent chance they're going to have to fall back to Jalen Hurts and maybe he's plan B, plan C, whatever. Is that how you feel the same way or, or no? Yeah. So my feeling on that is like they, Jalen Hurts has played well enough to at least give them some optionality. So I'm with you. Like if you can go after uh, like a star veteran quarterback and the cost isn't insane, then yeah, go ahead and do it. Whether that's Russell Wilson, um, you, you trade a bunch of picks for him or you trade a lot of picks plus your soul for Deshaun Watson. <laughs> you know, those are two options, of course. I don't know that like a, a rookie draft pick in this class really has, you know, tools, like the whole package really that is definitively like a major upgrade at this point uh, over Jalen Hurts. So if, you know, you can't make a deal for, you know, an, an obvious, you know, significant upgrade from him, then yeah, you can go another year with, with Jalen Hurts and you can use your three picks to improve other areas uh, of the team. So like, I think he's played at least well enough to make you feel not horrible about going down that road. Although I'm with you, like certainly this off season, if you have the chance to significantly upgrade the most important position in sports, then you go ahead and do it. Let's flip to the defensive side of the ball, Jimmy, where Jonathan Gannon is getting thrown around apparently <laughs> in uh head coaching yeah. uh, news or the cycle, whatever the carousel. I don't think he's going to get hired by the way, this off season. Mm-hmm. I think that would be crazy. Uh, are you buying or selling the Eagles defensive improvement? Yeah. I mean, they've played better in the second half of the season. Um, I mean, as you and I have both noted repeatedly, look at the quarterbacks but, they played. <laughs> you know, like last week they get Jake Fromm and, and Mike Glenn. And the week before they get Garrett Gilbert. The week before that they get Zach Wilson. They get, the week before that they get Daniel Jones, who, by the way, they hurt on like the first or second play of the game. And he played like, yeah. with a hurt neck all day. So, and then yeah, hasn't I mean, played they're, since. They're, they're playing better. Of course they're playing better. You know, like you, I think what it was football outsiders have him as like the sixth or seventh best uh, defense uh, by DVOA uh, in the NFL. And, you know, there's there's something to that. And I think the defense is like underratedly kind of decent. Um, Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave on the interior played really well uh, the last few weeks. They've pushed the pocket. They're not getting enough out of the edge rusher still, in my opinion. I think uh, TJ Edwards is really good for, you know, like he has maximized his physical abilities. Alex Singleton's played a little bit better over the last few weeks. You know, I think the safeties have been okay. Steven Nelson's been okay. So they have like a solid, they don't really have any super glaring weaknesses, in my opinion, on the defense. They don't, Darius Slay's been a star, obviously, uh, this year, uh, made the Pro Bowl uh, meritoriously, in my opinion. But yeah, like it's it's a decent defense. It's not great. It's, it's defense, and they're not doing anything like, you know, um, super creative. I think as the season has gone along, they've done a much better job disguising coverages than they did earlier in the year. And certainly those soft shell defenses that they were playing against guys like Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady and Dak Prescott and um, uh, Justin Herbert and Derek Carr and guys like that, where they just left the short to intermediate areas of the field wide open all day. And those guys just shredded them all day. And certainly that wasn't a check mark in, in uh, Jonathan Gannon's favor. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the, all five of those guys threw for 80, you know, 80% uh, percent, you know, completion percentage or better against the Eagles. So yeah, they've done a better job against quarterbacks, but again, they haven't played the caliber of quarterbacks that those guys, that, you know, kind of bring to the table. So yeah, he's not a head coaching candidate to me yet. Like maybe down the line, uh, I'll be curious to see if he even gets any interviews 
I mean, I don't even know that that's a, a, a given, uh, but yeah, for I him think to, that could happen because why could. not talk to him? But yeah, maybe. I mean, for the future down the line or whatever, just kind of get ideas from him or whatever. But yeah, I can't see him as a legitimate head coaching candidate at this point. I mean, I can't get over the stat. You brought it up the 80% thing. It's an insane stat. Yeah, we forget here, about that, by the way. <laughs> like five <laughs> yeah. times this year. Again, in the in the seventy years before the season, it happened six times. Like, how do you like how do you gloss over that? It's insane. And I know, like, okay, it's improved since then. But, like, my thing is, can we see him play a good quarterback and have like, yeah? And it's it's not that no one's asking Jonathan Ginnon to like shut out Patrick Mahomes. Like, that's not even the expectation. It's like, can you at least you know? Make him have like an like a, a good game, just yeah. not like even a great like just like a good or even just like a eh, like a, you know it was a fine game like a C plus kind of game. Yeah. Can you hold him to that? An interception, they score like twenty seven points or something like that. Right, yeah. like like come on, like you need to see that before I buy the defense as a whole. Where Jonathan Ginn is a defensive coordinator uh, or being, I, I think he's fine. You know, I, I think it's kind of like where the Eagles are at as a whole, which is kind of what I want to take us into next. But by the way, uh, 16th in DVOA. I don't, I don't 16th, know, is I that think, it? Okay. I don't know where I'm uh, getting that in from. In defensive. And, and also, like, if you look at, like, pro football focuses, like, grading, because they grade all the units, they have them at, like, 17th, the 17th graded defense. So, you know, like, just different metrics that kind of point to them kind of being more so average than, you know, anything in the top of the league, despite if you look at, like, their yards and, you know, points and all those metrics kind of since, I believe, week eight or whatever, you know, they rank, like, top five towards the top of the league. But, again, you, you know, we talked about the quarterbacks they faced are a huge factor mm-hmm. in there. Uh, but, again, that that kind of speaks to the Eagles as a whole because, you know, they have this good point differential and everything. They've turned it around. They're eight and seven right now as we sit going into week 17. Um, but <laughs> – but, when you're playing all these bad quarterbacks, and if you actually look at strength of victory, which is you know a tiebreaker to get into the playoffs, and at this point, uh, it isn't going to hurt the Eagles, but at one point it could have in, in terms of like if there's a tiebreaker with the Vikings, like they wouldn't they wouldn't win out on that, they wouldn't get that because they played inferior opponents. They have the second worst in the league strength of victory. Uh, I think they're only ahead of the Falcons, who have seven wins and are terrible, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's 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 a miracle. Uh, I get like, okay, but they're crushing the bad teams and that, that is true. And there's value in that because if you're not a, if you're just, you know, eking by these teams, that's different. That that kind of speaks more to luck than it is skill because, you know, one score games in the NFL, there's a lot of things that can happen in terms of bounces of the ball and all that. Um, so I guess, how do you weigh all of that? Like, what, what do you make of this Eagles team? I had them 16th in my power rankings this week, like dead center in the middle of the league. Some people said that was a little too low, like because I think I had like the the Ravens and the Chargers ahead of them. So I mean, you can argue that, but they're in that kind of middle of the mm-hmm. NFL to me. Still, you can you can debate, you know, 16 versus 13 or whatever, but they're in that kind of range. Yeah, I mean, they're they're clearly way better than the bottom tier teams. <laughs> so like they're they're I think heading into the season, we thought there was a chance that they could be among those bottom tier teams. And they weren't. So they, they've been a lot better this year than than I think anyone was really anticipating. Um, they're 8-7 and seven right now. They have a chance to be 10-7 and seven by the end of the season. Don't think they're going to get there. 
probably land at like nine and eight. We'll see. Um, but I mean, they're they're way 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 better than the Gi- even though they lost to the Giants, but the, like the Giants and the Washington football teams and Atlanta and obviously teams like the Jaguars, Jets, Texans, like those kind. They're way better than those teams, in my opinion. And the reason why is because their offensive line is you know first and foremost maybe the best offensive line in the NFL. Am I going too far on that? Like I don't study every offensive line in the league, but they've been awesome. Like Jordan Mailata was a pro bowl snub uh, in my opinion. So was Lane Johnson uh, even more. So uh, Jason Kelsey, obviously is maybe still the best center in the NFL. Landon Dickerson's really kind of come along uh, as the season has progressed and they've been fine, I guess at right guard with, with Herbie and whoever else has played there. So yeah, I mean the way that that, that line has played gives them a chance in most games and as we noted, the defense has been fine and they've gotten some, you know, real good contributions from some of these younger players on the offense. Like Devontae Smith has been, you know, everything is advertised. Dallas Goddard is coming into his own as the number one tight end and showing like he might be a legit, you know, top five-ish kind of uh, tight end in the NFL. Um, so, I mean, they have plenty of things to build around, uh, in my opinion. It's just, you know, this offseason, the question A will be, who is their quarterback going forward? But yeah, I, I think what they've shown at least so far this year is they're not that far away from contending. Like I brought this up a few weeks ago when the Cardinals were 10 and two, like are the Eagles that much further away from the Cardinals and the Cardinals are no, no longer the example to use on that. But are they that far, like much far behind the teams like the Buccaneers and the Cowboys, I think the quarterback position they are, but otherwise, you know, they can, I think they can compete maybe with those teams. But, you you know, you spend a little bit in free agency. You have another good draft in 2022 with their three first-round picks. And they're in a position to maybe compete in, uh, you know, in 2022 or or maybe more realistically. Uh, and, and I'm talking about for a Super Bowl here. Um, and maybe more realistically in 2023. So, by that measure, the Eagles have already surpassed expectations, I think, is fair yes. to say. Or, you know, for the people who are really optimistic, I guess, meeting them. But uh, I think, you know, for <laughs> most people, in terms of, you know, win total and everything, projected win total by Vegas, they've surpassed that. So is this season – I mean, you're probably going to say yes based on what you just said. Is this season already a success to you? And already at this point, I'm saying, like before even what they do, because I think so, – so I guess that's the first part of the question. I'll ask the second part after that. So the one, the other thing that I didn't mention too is Nick Sirianni has been. Yeah, I think he's really come along as a head coach. Like you look back to Week Three, when his game plan against Dallas was, they thought he thought that they weren't going to play Stop well him. on defense against them. He <laughs> thought they were going to put up a lot of points. So his 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 plan to counteract that was to basically try to get into a shootout with him, which is just <laughs> galaxy brain craziness. Uh, but he's gotten better as the season has gone along. He's gotten a lot of credit for, which I, you know, I, I think, you know, you and I and a lot of other people back in like June kind of thought that their best chance of winning as many games as possible this year was to lean heavily on their rushing attack. And it, they didn't get there until roughly week nine, week 10 this season. And then once they did, they started winning games. So, you know, I think there's some criticism for the coaching staff on that front. But as the season has gone along, I think Nick Sirianni has really uh, come along and he's out game planned a number of, you know, opposing uh, defensive coordinators. And, and I think he has the respect of the players in the locker room. Like you look at the the way that they've come out and play for him, you know, you had guys griping about uh, roles and such, and maybe this is more on Jonathan Gannon, uh, but like Fletcher Cox was unhappy with his role, but those guys have, have played a lot harder and um, in, in recent weeks. And, and I think he has, 
the team sort of, and he's been able to like get on players as well, which was maybe a concern for a young head coach like him. We all saw him, you know, scold uh, Jalen Hurts after his fumble uh, against, I guess uh, that was the Washington game. I think uh, a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, he was, you know, he's, he hasn't been afraid to, to give co- uh, tough coaching when uh, it has been necessary. So you look at like the first year head coaches this year, I think all season long, a lot of people were, you know, Brandon Staley unanimously would have been the top guy for, for most people and was even getting, you know, NFL head coach of the year talk, hype, whatever. I think Sirianni's done a better job than him. You look at like what the Eagles have heading into the season, what the Chargers had heading into the season. Chargers, in my opinion, have sort of, you know, underperformed. You got Justin Herbert. You got like a really good, you have the guys like, you know, Bosa and Duran James on that team. They have a star power on that team and they have the same record right now as the Philadelphia Eagles. So in my opinion, I think Nick Sirianni has actually been the best first year head coach among the seven guys that got hired this cycle. Would you give him coach of the year? No, no, he's not. Like there are plenty of other. Who would you pick? I think, and I hate to, I hate to say this because Mike McCarthy. No, no don't Bill, do Bill, it. Bill Belichick. Oh. I hate saying eh. Bill Belichick because it's just boring, whatever. Uh, I think Andy Reid maybe gets a, a little nod, maybe. No, you're not Offense there hasn't been one? great until okay. recently. And then, uh, yeah, McCarthy maybe deserves some consideration, I guess. LeFleur? LeFleur, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think they're – and we'll get to this later again, but – I don't think their roster is all that great. So for them to have the record they have, maybe is a sort of a tip of the well, cap yeah. to him. Um, yeah, I'd have to take a closer look, I guess, league wide. But uh, just as far as like the, the the first year head coaches, I think definitively it's Sirianni. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's true, and I think that's that's something definitely encouraging and something I believe in moving forward. You know, like I feel more sure about Sirianni than I do, let's say, you know, like Jalen Hurts. I think there have some been. In, so there have been some encouraging things about Jalen Hurts. I feel a little bit more confident in Sirianni, and obviously that can change. Um, you know, you can look at examples maybe of first-year head coaches that showed good things, like maybe even Chip Kelly <laughs> in the past, yeah. and you really believed in him, and then as time didn't look so great. Um, so, you know, still time for things to change over the course of time. But I think this Eagles season generally has been a success, but I don't think that – it, like everything is gravy from this point necessarily, if mm-hmm. that makes any sense. Like, if they go out in the playoffs and they get like housed and they look like a joke against like, you know, a quality <laughs> right. team, then yeah. that's pretty, you know, that's not great. And that kind of, <laughs> right. you know, makes you kind of question, okay, how much of this second half success was just beating up on really bad teams. And again, there's value in that because, you know, the Jets can't do that. The Jaguars can't do that. There are plenty of teams who can't do that, but there's also, you know, the elite teams. Like that can do those, or you know, who can beat the good teams, and you're actually contending, and the Eagles have a way to go on that front. So, I think they're kind of in an interesting spot on the whole. Again, I, I would say more successful of a season than not, but I would not say like unmitigated success, like mm-hmm. you know, like perfect situation. That's fine. It didn't have to be. That's you know, not everything uh, has to go right. Uh, realistically, so uh, any any other final thoughts on that? Um. No, I'm just uh, curious to see how they come out and play on Sunday. And uh, it'd be fun to cover a playoff game, like totally unexpectedly. And it, by the way, like, this isn't like Washington last year. Washington won the division because the NFC was, because the NFC East was horrible. Like, I didn't because someone had to record. win it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> this is a wild card berth, which is in a weird way more impressive than winning a terrible division. 
Also, uh, I would say, talked about this RJ on the NFC's mixtape, and we'll get into the Cowboys a little bit later. But like, if the Cowboys, you know, they already won the NFC's, but if they go into the playoffs and the Eagles beat them in the playoffs, <laughs> I mean, like, are you really NFC's champions? You know, like, like, you know, isn't that kind of fun? Cause the, right. that RJ brought up how, uh, like he thought it was so weak that, you know, the Saints are technically the NFC or NFC South champions from last year, but the Bucks eliminated them on their route to winning right, the Super right. Bowl. It's like, yeah. it's the most hollow division. You like, got to take that banner what, down. Exactly. Like you can't hang a banner for that. Like who cares? That means nothing. Um, anyway, uh, why don't we take a break here and get into this week's game, Jimmy? Uh, but before we do, I'll tell you about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, which I mentioned at the top of the show. It's a new year. It's a new you. Why not load up? on some snacks, uh, meat snacks. I was watching actually, Jimmy, recently a review on YouTube of someone who was sent some righteous felon products and he was trying out all the different flavors. And that's, I, I, that's like one of the fun things about righteous felon craft turkey is like, there's a bunch of different flavors you can try and fun packaging too and everything and the fun names. Uh, it's just a fun, good. And by the way, this dude was like loving them. Like he was like losing mm-hmm. his mind over how good like these were. <laughs> he liked the jerky more than the built tongue. I like the built tongue a little bit more. Um, so it wasn't like he was just like you know, uh, <laughs> like getting paid to say this and yeah. everything is so great. There were some things he didn't like as much, but anyway, um, so that was fun. Uh, you can try them out for yourself. Maybe make a video and and you can do that by going to rightsellin dot com using discount code BGN fifteen for fifteen percent off your order. Jimmy, back after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, 
can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Back here on BGN Radio, Jimmy, and we have a special guest that I'm going to bring onto the podcast Uh-oh, right now. It's unexpected. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, oh, is it a dog? Yet again. Yes, there so he I is. I just brought Ruben into frame. <laughs> no one else can see him, um, but he's sticking his little tongue it's out, Seltzer's as you can dog, see right? here. Yeah, it's James Seltzer's dog, my old BGN Radio co-host uh, here. Um, Ruben's just, I'm, I'm holding him right now. He's just looking around. He's a cute little guy. Uh, I'm trying to get a screenshot. What kind of dog here. is he? Let's see if I can get this going. It's tough to do with one hand while I'm holding. I can screenshot Ruben. it. I'll okay. It just get him looking at the camera. Here, let's see if we can make this happen. <laughs> I love how he sticks his little tongue out like that. You got it, Jimmy? Oh, I got a good one. Okay, great. That's little Rube. <laughs> Rube. Uh, if you have a pet uh, or you're watching a pet, you can go to wildnaturepet.com and use discount code BGN15 for 15% off dog treats. Is it um, Rube as in like, uh, like named after like Ruben Frank? So uh, he's not named after Ruben Frank, with all due respect. Um I think James, see, this is a really good question because, you know, you say it, but okay. So, so James spells it R O O B. Right. That's so, like Rube. Yeah. Like, well, like Ruben Frank. Anyway. Yeah. But I'm saying like, that's how he spells it as opposed to R U B E. But I'm again, to be clear, I don't think he named his dog after Ruben Frank. Um, anyway, Jimmy, what are you doing? Are you tweeting this out? I'm sending it. I'm emailing it to you right now. Okay. Thank you. Because uh, I hear you typing away. Um, all right. Second segment, Jimmy. It's time to look ahead to this week's Eagles game against the Washington football team, who just got destroyed, as we kind of mentioned earlier on the show, by the Cowboys and Sunday Night Football. And they have Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. Those are the two guys, right, I believe, uh, swinging at each other on the sidelines. Deron Payne kind of took his finger and he poked um, Jonathan Allen, like, in the temple. And yeah. Jonathan Allen rightfully did not like that. <laughs> and he, took a, he took a wild swing and he missed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't want to get punched by him. And Ron Payne's probably lucky that he did miss. But yeah, they're a total mess right now, obviously. Former teammates in like, Alabama, too, by the way, not just in Washington. Yeah, that is funny. Played, played in college together. This could sound really dumb. I feel like football players are not like the best fighters. Like obviously they're really physical and they could beat you up like the average person, but right. I don't know. Like some some of the things we see in football, especially like guys punching helmets at least, like that makes no sense. Like it's the dumbest thing when people do that. Like you're just going to hurt your hand punching a helmet. Um anyway, that's like the bear you remember the Bears receiver punched the Saints yeah, defensive Cha- uh Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Yeah, yeah, got punched by I forget the Bears receiver. I, I but like it was a total Javon, was it, sucker shot. But also at the Javon same time, Williams? he punched him in the like in a guy. He punched the guy wearing a helmet. <laughs> it just it just doesn't make yeah. any sense. Also, even worse fighters than football players are baseball players. Like whenever you see, I was right uh, about that. That was such a good pull by me. It was Javon uh, Wims. How did I know? Oh, that? Okay. <laughs> anyway, you know, ba- baseball players. When you see like guys charge the mound, those guys are even worse fighters. Those those fights like there. I mean, you just see like wild swings and misses like crazy even more so yeah. than football players 
maybe the bar is high because like you know i'm i'm not like the biggest ufc guy or anything nothing against it i just don't watch it a ton or but i i kind of watch it sometimes i watch boxing sometimes maybe i'm just like you know spoiled from watching actual fighting or something but i don't know i just feel like not necessarily the best fighters anyway hockey hockey players obviously the best fighters of of all the major sports uh is the washington football team done jimmy or might they bounce back after such a bad loss, I was looking at some numbers in terms of teams like covering the spread after like a really, really bad loss. And the trend is that teams do usually bounce back just from that perspective, you know, mm-hmm. because probably they have a really bad loss and then the spread and or people are betting on them, whatever, uh, to lose because they, they're assuming the same thing is going to happen in the next week. But it's not always that way. And the NFL isn't always that predictable and honestly you know the eagles didn't like house washington the last time no. these two teams played you know they only beat them by 10 points like so i mean they, they were in control obviously i never really thought they're gonna seriously lose that game mm-hmm. after they were able to kind of get some momentum after that slow start um but i mean i think they could bounce back a little bit the game is in washington this time uh they're getting some reinforcements in terms of not as many players are on the COVID list. They have some, but not as many. Yeah, not four, as many like, key. Four, four non-important players, I think, as of right now. Well, they added their punter, too, who's a oh, Pro Bowl I didn't punter. See that. And that's, that's not way. great. Okay, yeah. And they added uh, Sam Cosme, too, who's their starting right tackle. I didn't see that either. Okay. So, you know, some some people, um, there's still time for those guys to be activated, mm-hmm. too, before Sunday. So we'll see how this goes. But um, so, so basically, what do you make of them at all? Do you think there's like any life in them, or do you think they're dead? Well, they're they won't be starting Garrett Gilbert, so there's <laughs> there's a step up right there. Taylor Heineke will will be starting. But the weird thing that they announced earlier this week was that Ron Rivera, anyway, said on Monday that uh, Heineke would start, but also <laughs> Kyle Allen would get some snaps, would play a little yeah, bit in hell, this game. What the hell is this? I don't know. It makes no sense to me. Like I was actually even looking to see if. There was maybe another game during the one o'clock slate where, like, if that team won, maybe then Washington would be eliminated. And at that point, maybe they just want to get a look at Kyle Allen or something. But that didn't – when I looked at that, no. like, there was nothing along those lines. It just makes no sense to me because Heineke is at least – he at least has something. Like, he's not – I mean, if, you, if Taylor Heineke is your starting quarterback, then, you know – priority number one during your offseason is to upgrade on Taylor Heineke, but at least he has something. Like, he's got some running ability. He's got some moxie. You know, like, his teammates have sort of rallied around him at, at, at times this year. Kyle Allen's got nothing. Like, there's just nothing appealing about that guy whatsoever. So the idea that they're going to get him some playing time is just really weird. But then they walked it back, sort of, as the week progressed. Like, the <laughs> offensive coordinator said, they, like, no, that's not the plan. And Ron Rivera even said, like, May okay, so he's not definitely going to get playing time. He might get playing time. We'll see. So it's just weird that that, that this even became a story at all. I was actually kind of thinking like this is you know upset potential. They, Washington win this game if you know the Eagles kind of come out flat or whatever as they've done the last couple of weeks. And I almost picked Washington, but when I saw this you know quarterback nonsense, it's like okay, they don't know what they. they there's just too much too much weirdness going on with this team for me not to pick the Eagles. Eventually, I you know pretty confidently pick the Eagles. But uh, I mean, are they done? They still have talent. They still have like a very good defensive line that can wreck a game in theory. They have you know Terry McLaurin who can make a big play, Antonio Gibson who can make a big play. So it's not like they're a complete trash team. They have like players who can do some things. But yeah, I mean, I just I think that's a team that's. 
really looking forward to the offseason at this point. They are still alive mathematically for the playoff picture. So, you know, 7%, they, they have, I think, what was it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. 7% according to 538. And, you know, it's not probably going to happen, but uh, it's not impossible. And it's certainly more to play for than the Giants, you know, have had who are basically eliminated. And also, I think that's kind of the, the distinction I would make. As when you said trash team there, like the Giants are clearly a trash yes. team, especially right now. They're honestly, they might be the worst team in the NFL <laughs> right now. Like they're not the worst team with Daniel Jones. Like Daniel Jones gives them like something, sure. a, like something, a little bit of something where like Jake Fromm and Mike Lennon just give you nothing or negative value. And you're just, <laughs> yes. like, you've, there's no hope. Like you're not going to win a game. Um, so that's where I think the difference is between like a team like the Giants and Washington. I will say. There is some concern, and if the Eagles lose to Washington, I think it's you know it's kind of like the first Giants game, where to me it would be more about the Eagles losing this game than it would be the other. Like the Giants didn't mm-hmm. win that game in terms of like they just thoroughly outplayed the Eagles and they deserved the win. Like they just they didn't suck as much as the Eagles did that day, and right. they outlasted them. I think that would be kind of a similar situation here if Washington were to win. But you know, looking at what the Eagles do best to me, and talking about their offensive line and or more so their running game as a whole, I mean, they're not exactly in peak form heading into this game with Miles Sanders out with right. a broken hand. And on that note, uh, Nick Sirianni kind of compared his broken hand to Marlon Mack having a broken hand back in 2019 when he was with the Colts. And Mack missed two games of that. So I don't okay. know you know, if it's going to be the same exact timeline for Sanders' injury, but that could point to him missing not only this week's game, but next week's game as well, if not longer, into the playoffs, if the Eagles make the playoffs. And Jordan Howard appears to be less than 100%. You know, were you at practice on Thursday? I was not. No, no, you weren't. Um, well, he, he was. He was seen with that big, bulky, like you know, shoulder pad, like extra padding. I saw a video uh, by that Chris Franklin uh, posted where Boston Scott was kind of like teasing him and like really like padding on his shoulder pads because they're like huge. Uh, so that doesn't McClain seem great. Him to uh, Christian Okoye, yes, the old Chiefs running back who had just gigantic shoulder pads. I don't think that's a signal, at least to me, that like they're ready to just say, "Hey, Jordan Howard, you're ready to take on like 20 carries in this game." Like, I don't <laughs> yeah. think even even if he plays, which isn't a guarantee, we'll sure. see. Uh, we haven't seen the the final injury report, so you're you're missing your top two backs. And by the way, Miles Sanders had a really he had his best game of his career in terms of his highest rushing total against Washington just a couple of weeks ago when he had 131 on them. So you're missing that. You're potentially missing Jordan Howard, or he's less than 100. percent That leaves you with Boston Scott with Kenneth Gainwell, mm-hmm. and then they're probably going to call up either Carryon Johnson, who they just re-added, or Jason Huntley. I imagine um, one of those guys will be brought up for more depth in the backfield there. So I guess like. How confident do you feel in the running game? And do you think, or how do you think those carries are going to be split up? Well, if they do call somebody up because they're worried about Jordan Howard's unavailability, I would guess that it'll be carry on Johnson because what we've seen actually recently on like third and long type situations is Jordan Howard has stayed in the game uh, oftentimes, mainly for pass protection purposes. And if you'll recall uh, to our listeners back in our training camp, days we noted that carry on johnson was probably their best pass protecting uh running back back then so um i think he would be in there for those purposes but um he yeah, can catch I mean, a little bit too it's, it's a huge boost if howard can play like even if he can only carry the ball eight ten times or something like that he is clearly the guy who is going to be getting your tough yards uh in between the tackles um whereas boston scott 
I mean, he does run between the tackles too, but he's not getting those physical runs that, you know, Jordan Howard will. And, you know, I think the game plan changes a little bit in terms of the way they use, um, in, like the, the, the run game, uh, if Jordan Howard can't go and that, you know, maybe as an extension of the run game, they'll try to get Boston Scott, uh, out on the perimeter in space, even if it's via screen pass, whatever, um, but yeah, your game plan changes and you don't want it to have to change because again, two weeks ago, they racked up 238 yards against this defense, which they had gotten most of their guys back from the COVID list in that game. So it wasn't like they were totally depleted on the defensive side of the ball. They they can run on this team if they have, you know, their full staff of, of running backs, which as you mentioned, Miles Sanders won't play. But again, if, if Jordan Howard can play, Jordan Howard plus Boston Scott is better in my opinion than Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell. So we'll see, you know, if Howard's available or not. Um, I think it's a, something of a concern, you know, depending on sure. you know, Howard's going to play or whatever. And then, like, even with Howard running, like, his that style, again, you have this injury, this singer injury. Like, you know, is that going to hold up? Is he going to be the same level of effective with that? And honestly, he's also been dealing with this knee issue. And it's only a small sample size. I think it's like two games he's been back since that. But his numbers haven't been as good as they were pre-knee injuries. I don't know, you know, if that's just a small sample size or or what, but I think that's something to watch uh, as well. Um, Sorry, I think if, like, you look back to, like, training camp, by the way, if we could look into the future to today and see ourselves discussing Jordan Howard's availability as a, <laughs> a big factor on whether the Eagles make the playoffs or not, it'd be like... Again, like, this season was very weird. <laughs> yes, it often is. That's how that's how things go. <laughs> that's how it things goes. Go. It's always weird. You you never what it, we, you expect rarely happens. That's the fun of football, exactly, um, and sports in general. Jalen Jalen Hurts' mobility is also another thing to kind of keep an eye on here mm-hmm. because he hasn't been running as much since he came back from this ankle injury that he's had. Uh, what he ran like twice against the Giants, two for seven yards, I think. And yeah, Washington was eight, eight for 38, and I think he had two touchdowns. So he ran a little bit right. in that game, and he looked a little bit gimpy in the second half. against. After on the rewatch, he, like, there were times where he looked like not the same player. Like Beyond just him not running, he did look like he was a little bit hampered. So I got this question really quick just to take a look ahead. This is a more of a long-term thing than this week. Um, but I wanted to bring it up because we got a rating and review from Bird Behind Enemy Lines on Apple Podcast. And just wanted to remind people that you could leave your ratings and reviews. You leave a question. We'll, we have to answer it legally obligated. It might not always be the next show, but we will get to it at some point or at least make our best effort. I think we do a good job of that. Uh so this comes from, again, Bird Behind Enemy Lines, Jimmy, and they ask, when Miles Sanders hurt again, do you think there's any possibility the Eagles look to upgrade running back position this offseason? And if so, would you rather see them look through the draft or a veteran free agent? I want to also bring this up in the context of the uh, question exchange I did with Hogs Haven this week ahead of this Eagles-Washington game. I think they kind of asked me, like, do you see the Eagles re-signing Miles Sanders? Because I think that's another relevant point of all this mm-hmm. is like Sanders is kind of having some availability issues here. Well, I think he'll be back, obviously, in 2022 because that's his final right. contract. Um, as far as After signing that, a, a running back in free agency, I would lean no on that. It just kind of hasn't been their MO. Like they, they'll sign a guy maybe in May after the draft comes and goes, and you can get a guy for $2 million on a one-year contract or something like that, like they've done with guys like Garrett Blount 
and you know they traded a, a low pick for Jordan Howard and uh, they, traded Jones. A, they traded a, a you know fourth round pick for Jay Ajayi back in the day. So I think they look for bargain bin kind of guys in uh, in during the offseason in terms of free agency in the draft. I think the one strategy that I like is just kind of taking a, a running back maybe not every year but most years on day three because mm. there's usually value on those guys um, and when when those guys tend to have to play you don't like some of them perform like pretty well. So I could see them uh, taking a, a guy on day three of the draft. I don't see them spending another high pick uh, on a running back in 2022. Okay. Just a little detour there. Look ahead. Um, anything else about this Washington game, Jimmy, besides a prediction? Cause we'll get to that. Uh, no, not really. Um, your matchup column, which I read, you know, at Philly Voice each week, your five matchups was later this week, and I understandably so. <laughs> well, but I mean, they also played this team less yeah, than exactly. two weeks ago. Yeah. Like it's like, what's their? You already kind of, you know, what's there to say? A ton different from this time, other than, you know, Washington then was coming off a a loss to Dallas, but well. Yeah, it was right. Yeah, they yeah, lost, they, they got smoked. If, by, they got the score didn't look as bad as it actually was on the field, but Dallas right. smoked them early in that game. They had like a weird. Yes. Washington got a, a a pick six late in that game on a just yeah. a terrible decision by Dak. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think that score was like twenty seven to twenty or something like that. But Dallas mm-hmm. smoked them in that game. But before that, you know, Washington was on their cute little four game win streak that has amounted into <laughs> right. really nothing. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Um, they're missing some key players, like you mentioned. Uh, uh, then they have Tress Way on the COVID list, who they added, mm-hmm. who I mentioned, and Sam Cosme is starting right tackle, uh, backup swing tackle. Sadiq Charles is has been limited in practice this week, so he might be able to play, but it seems like he might be less than 100%. Um, I mean, I mean the, there's I, no I good reason. in the last podcast, too, like they have a lot of guys on IR. Like Chase Young, they lost for the season with a torn ACL. Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to yep. be their starting quarterback originally. He's on IR. Uh, J.D. McKissick, a uh, running back who is like yep. more of a threat in the in the passing game. He's actually second on their team. J.D. McKissick is their second leading receiver in terms of receiving yards and receptions behind Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin has, I think, like 900 receiving yards, like 60-something catches, I believe. I mean, by far and away, they're, they're you know, I mean, he's really their only weapon in the passing game. After him, I guess the next leading receiver is the the little slot guy, uh, Adam Humphreys. Uh, he's their sec- he's their second leading wide receiver, Adam Humphreys. No touchdowns this year. Has like a little bit like his, you look at his like three year production uh, over the last three years, and it's on par with like Greg Ward. So like mm. it's Terry McLaurin, and then it's nothing in their passing game. Uh, Antonio Gibson, of course, a weapon can make a big play here and there. But yeah, I just don't see how this Washington team should be able to keep up with the Eagles. But then, like I said before, I think there is some upset potential. Well, Gibson might not even play too because he w- was limited on Wednesday, and then he mm-hmm. was downgraded to did not practice on Thursday. So we'll you know kind of keep an eye on his status at the very least. Again, not a hundred percent, and he hasn't really been having like an amazing season anyway. Right. He's at like three point eight yards per carry or something. So it's not like he's a he's been a beast. Um, he does have some you know like you said like some potential in theory. Like the profile is nice, but uh, this season hasn't been super productive. Um, if he okay. can't go, Jimmy by the way, it'd be – I think he was undrafted anyway, but it would be Jared Patterson who yes. uh, played for scored University a, of Buffalo. And he scored he's a the touchdown guy, against the Eagles. What's that? He scored a touchdown against the Eagles in the last game. He had 
he had one game. Oh, he had a crazy season where like he racked up an insane number of uh, rushing yards, but he had one game where I think he ran for like 500 something yards and like one game, it was 400, 500 yards, but he broke a record. So that'd be the guy that would, that would play in place of Antonio Gibson. If he can't go. Jimmy, did you 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 hear that? What? Yeah. What was that? What was that? Jimmy's yelling at Kristen Roach of Roach Fielders, <laughs> who's just about to talk about for a yeah. eight five break. Talk about uh, New Year's resolutions. Uh, this is the year, <laughs> my friends. Go sell your house or buy a house, whatever. Sell or buy, rent. Do both. Do a double banger. Buy sell. And uh, when you do, make sure you call Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. Again, eight five six nine zero six. Nine two nine five. I don't know if you could hear if the listeners could hear that noise in the background just then, but something broke, and I hope it wasn't something valuable of mine. <laughs> Brandon, RoachRealtors dot com as well. Back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. She's the greatest. 856-906-9295. Back here on BGN Radio for our final segment of 2021, Jimmy. How does it feel? How do you feel about that? Uh, I was trying to figure out what might have broken. I wasn't paying attention. What did you say again? <laughs> it's all right. You're too distracted. Um, doesn't matter. All right, let's get into our picks. And there's a lot to get to. Freaking eight games because I think there's a lot to talk about. Yes. Before we get into the picks, I will remind everyone of the records that no one cares about. Uh, you had a good week last week. You beat me five and two versus my four and one. You're now forty one and forty, so just above five hundred against the spread on the season. I am now forty four thirty seven, so I still have a comfortable lead on you, but a lot can change. And then if we go with our straight up Eagles picks, you are ten and five. I am eleven and four, so I'm ahead of you in that one. Okay. You're gonna need to disagree with me at some point here to 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 get ahead. Um, all right, yeah. let's let's it's start it off. This week. <laughs> yeah, probably. Let's start it off with the non-Eagles playoff clinching things. Like, let's get all this out of the way. Uh, Raiders are at the Colts. Uh, Colts are six and a half point favorites. Carson mm-hmm. Wentz currently still on the COVID list after going on there, but can be activated because the NFL changed their policy and made it easier for unvaccinated players to return. Well, vaccinated players too, but especially unvaccinated players, so they don't have to miss 10 days. Uh, Carson Wentz would have automatically been out if that was the case. Now he's a chance to play. Are you taking the Colts to cover six and a half? Yeah, I love how the NFL just changes the rules this year as they kind of go along. Um, I don't know why they're letting unvaccinated players off the hook here, whatever. That's a whole other story. I don't care if it's Carson Wentz or Sam Ellinger. Doesn't matter. This Colts team is really good. Great offensive line. You know, MVP candidate in Jonathan Taylor. Their defense is really good. They're very fast. They swarm to the football. I don't care who the quarterback is. He's not the reason for their success. Uh, Colts, I'll take, I'll lay the six and a half. Colts, Cowboys, Super Bowl. It's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to take the Colts as well. Don't trust the Raiders, and the Colts are just playing really well. And I like Jonathan Taylor a lot. 
Uh, okay, so that brings us to the Dolphins, who, Jimmy, I don't know if you saw this, Dolphins became the first team in NFL history to both have a seven-game losing streak yeah. and a seven-game winning streak. Makes sense. The same it's season, hard to do. Which, which <laughs> is pretty crazy. Um, now, kind of not unlike the Eagles, they played a bunch of bad teams in there. But still, you know, they've taken advantage of it. And they did beat the Ra- uh, Ravens, which is, I think, a really good win at the time. You know, the Ravens were a lot more competitive then than they are in their current iteration. Mm-hmm. But the Dolphins are actually underdogs They're at the Titans. The Titans are three-and-a-half-point home favorites. And obviously, you know, Eagles fans will be wanting to see the Titans win this game from the perspective of make sure you're preventing the Colts from winning the AFC South. I believe the Titans will clinch with a win in this game and also uh, to, you know, uh, worsen the Dolphins draft pick because currently the Dolphins are in the seventh seed in the AFC playoff picture. And that's not good for the Eagles pick. Yeah, so the, the the thing that you mentioned, the seven straight wins and the seven straight losses, it's, it's hard the way they did it, too, because I could like the way that I could see that happening is a team like winning seven games in a row early in the season and like a quarterback gets hurt or like a bunch of they could have a lot of injuries, whatever may happen. Or they're they smelling lose, themselves, maybe. <laughs> and then they lose seven straight games. But to lose seven straight games and somehow turn around and win seven straight games. I, that's, you know, very weird uh, season for the Miami Dolphins, obviously. But they're playing well. Uh, as you mentioned, they haven't beaten many good teams. I think the combined record of the teams that they have beaten uh, in those seven games, uh, I think it was off the top of my head, 36 and 69. Nice. Uh, so nice. they, uh, I mean, they've beaten up some on some bad teams, but they're playing well. Like the Eagles, they have smashed those bad teams, they haven't lost any of those games by, or excuse me, they haven't won any of those games by fewer than seven points. And I actually like them to continue that streak against mm-hmm. the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee Titans were a tough watch uh, against the 49ers. <laughs> a game they ultimately won because um, uh, uh, Brown, what's his first name? How, how, A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown. Uh, made a bunch of plays in that game. Ryan Tannehill made some timely plays in that game. But they're tough to watch when without Derrick Henry and uh, they really won that game because Jimmy Garoppolo stinks. Um, so, yeah, I, I like the Dolphins to – I mean, I'm just going to keep picking them until they lose. <laughs> but, like, if they do win, that they're more than likely going to make the playoffs in the AFC, which is obviously a bad result for the Eagles. I think they'll at least cover, which I like the points here. Titans mm-hmm. might win, um, but I think the Dolphins at least find a way to cover. Um, you just reminded me of something with the A.J. Brown mentioned there because – the Titans really targeted him like 16 times, I think. Mm-hmm. They he was just really feeding their number one wide receiver, which <laughs> right. I don't necessarily need the Eagles to maybe do 16 times per game, but <laughs> yeah. like, like that kind of that kind of thinking, I think, is a good thing. Yes, obviously the Eagles' offense has been working uh, without doing that, but I think it could you know hit another level, and especially long term, I think that's when it is is more where it's going to need to be. Can you tell me how many players? Can you guess how many players have more targets per game this year than Devontae Smith? Ooh. All players, not just mm. wide receivers. All so running backs, tight ends. How many he's players? Not even in the number end? one on the Eagles, right? I think Dallas Goddard has more, doesn't he? So, uh, maybe I, I don't know off the top of my head for sure. I'm gonna say it's at least in the 40s, and I, maybe even 50s. I'm gonna go 52. You would. That was a pretty good guess because it's 56. Ooh, so okay. But, like, that's so stupid. Like, think about that. 56 <laughs> players are getting more targets per game than Devontae Smith. Like, what are we doing here? Right. Uh, I continue to beat that drum. Okay, so we're both taking the Dolphins to the points. That brings us to the – we can just get to this one real quick. But it is worth mentioning, I feel like, because it's it's weird because the Giants play the Bears and the Giants own the Bears' first-round pick. 
So that's kind of like an interesting wrinkle to this. The Bears are actually six point favorites. I mean, there's just no way the Giants can win, right? Who's who's uh, starting for the Bears again? Is that going to be uh, who, like? I didn't see for sure. Is it going to be Fields will be back? Um, I've not really seen that. Does it matter? He got, well, <laughs> Does he, it matter to you? He got the win over uh, Seattle last week. He did, but my understanding is I he mean, played fairly well in that game too. I think he was okay. I didn't see. I saw none of that game, so I, I don't know. Uh, I saw the two-point yeah, conversion at the end. I will take Nikki Foles and the Bears to cover. What? I don't, it doesn't matter who starts. I don't care. The Giants, as you mentioned earlier, I agree. They are, as currently constructed, the worst team in the NFL. And uh, I think the Bears will smoke them this week. I would actually even though like even to see Bears that. Are te- Bears are also terrible, but they're going to smoke this Giants team. I would like to see the Giants and Jags play. Not because that would be a good game, it would be an awful game, but I would like to kind of just get the answer to who really is the worst team in the NFL right now. Right. Which one is. Um, that brings us to the – and I'm also taking the Bears, by the way, Bears to cover. Uh, Cardinals at the Cowboys, uh, which is an interesting game, obviously not only because the Cowboys are in the NFC East. Um, Cowboys win this game. They're still alive potentially for – they will be alive for the number one seed heading into week 18 because if somehow the Packers lost to the Lions, which – I don't think it's going to happen, but I don't know. I could see like Dan Campbell, you know, being like, all right, this is our Super Bowl. You know, like, let's, let's get the Packers Onside's out of the number kicks, one seed. A bunch of like crazy, you know, decisions and the, just the games in Detroit too. Weird bounces go their way. It's yep. possible. Yeah. I, so like, I would not rule that out entirely. Um, games in Detroit too in week 18. And also the, when the Lions played the Packers earlier this year, it was like early in the season. I think it was like the second. Monday night football game or whatever. Uh, that game was like close. I think they're tied at half. Like it was a game. Like it looked like a game early mm-hmm. on and the Packers pulled away anyway. Um, so the Cowboys, you know, definitely want to win this game. Uh, Cardinals have been struggling. They're very much on the struggle bus. I think it's possible they lose out, which would put them at, uh, Who do they have on a five. Uh, they have the Seahawks. Okay. So you would think they should be able to win that, but I don't know. That could be like Russ's last game and, yeah. you know, with the Seahawks and maybe he kind of goes all out and I don't know. And honestly, I just don't trust the Cardinals the way they're playing. So uh, I have to take the Cowboys here pretty easily, actually. But I think it's worth noting that if the Cardinals lose out and the Eagles win out, the Eagles would actually be the fifth seed. Mm. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. I guess that makes sense. And then they would get probably. They probably get the Buccaneers, <laughs> which would not be good for. Well, we'll get that in a minute too. Uh, but yeah, I'll take the Cowboys. The Cowboys are peaking right now. Uh, their defense has made plays all season long. They continue to do that, and now their offense is starting to round into form as well. And that's bad news for you know Eagles fans that want to see them get bounced in the first round of the playoffs. So uh, yeah, pretty easy call for me here. I'll, I'll take the Cowboys. I'll lay the five and a half points against a Cardinals team that is in the midst of two consecutive late season choke jobs. What are the Cowboys? They did. Uh, Not a, not a really, never really been a Cliff Kingsbury guy and feeling good about. Well, did you see the sequence that that, that they had last week? I did not. I saw you write about it. Kind of. I didn't actually read it all because it was too long. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm trying to remember what, what exactly he did again. Um, Oh, you were, right. you so, were so they're they're perplexed. driving they're they're down nine. Okay, they're down nine and they're driving down the field. 
And um, they got to like the 30-something yard line, which with like a little bit more than two minutes to go and one timeout left. So if they just kicked the field goal at that point, then they could have kicked off, uh, gotten a stop, three and out potentially, uh, used their final timeout, which they would have gotten the ball back with about a minute 20-ish. And then they would have had a chance to go down and score a touchdown for the win. So they didn't do that. Fine, whatever. That, that, that's not like the obvious definite do-it strategy. But they kept driving down the field. And then they got to like the 10-yard line. And they had third and goal from the 10. Now you're like there. there's like under a minute left to play at the 10-yard line. On third down, they send the field goal team out to, like, to kick a field goal. Like they chose that point. To save a few extra seconds. You don't want to take one more shot into the end zone on third down mm. and then kick the field goal on fourth down. It's insanity that they, that that's what they did. Like, and I, I can't imagine what Cliff Kingsbury was possibly thinking kicking a field goal on third down, third and third and goal from the 10. You got Kyler Murray. You got like all, all kinds of good receivers. Take, get Zach Ertz, throw it into the end zone, you idiot. And they just kicked the field goal, and then they tried to recover an onside kick. Got recovered by the by the uh, I forget who who they were even playing, but got got recovered by the uh, by the by the kick. You know the uh, the receiving team. Game over. Crazy. The Colts. Colts. The Colts. Oh right, it was the Colts. Crazy sequence by Cliff Kingsbury. He has no idea what he's doing. Yeah, he's a fraud. Um, remember when they hired Cliff Kingsbury, and one of the things in his bio, like. The team put out is he's a friend of Sean McVay, like as right. if that's like, a, like like this is why we hired him. Imagine the Eagles he knows like hired McVay. somebody and they're like he always friends with Mike McCarthy. <laughs> it's like okay. Um, by the way, Sean McVay also a big coward. Um, and not the best. Like obviously he's been a good head coach in terms of scheme and helping the team win Record, ultimately, yeah. but has come up short in some of these game management, game strategy uh, decisions. Uh, had a related question while on the topic of the Cowboys. This comes from our good friend, Nate Jimmy, um, who sent us a message on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And he tried to he review wanted... us on Spotify. Oh, yes. That's why I wanted to bring this up. leave a comment, um, but apparently they, you can leave comments on Spotify now. So if you leave a comment, review, yes. whatever, we'll, we'll answer it from there as well. That is new, by the way. So, yes, please. If So, you know, I, I've got – because people have said that over the years. They're like, I don't really use Apple Podcasts, so how do I leave rating and review? And there's really no good answer in that because I feel like Apple Podcasts is really the main way and only way you could do that. But now Spotify, yes, you can do that on there. So go to Spotify, uh, our, our you know, Leading Your Nation on there, and leave us a five-star review. This would be really appreciate that. Um, this comes from Nate, and he asks, if the Eagles beat Washington and then Dallas sits their starters in the last game – do you think the Eagles will be able to still beat the Cowboys in back-to-back weeks? So, you know, week 18 and then in the playoffs. Well, the last time they had back-to-back games against the Cowboys, it did not go so well. That was oh, the boy. Uh, Donovan McNabb uh, air guitar <laughs> game. Um, but I don't think that was really, terrible. I don't think that's a possibility, really. Actually, the, the first of all, we should get into the Eagles scenarios of being able to clinch. Uh, we, oh, we're going to get into that, Jimmy. That's the that's the next group of uh, picks against the spread here. The okay. parlay. Well, yeah. uh, so we'll get to that in a minute. But like the mm-hmm. the possibility of like between those two teams, the Eagles and Cowboys, the likelihood of one of those teams resting their starters week eighteen is more in the favor of the Eagles than it is the Cowboys. The Cowboys very likely aren't going to rest starters week seven or week eighteen because they'll 
they'll probably still have a chance to play for uh, the one seed in the NFC. If there's any chance at all of them getting the one seed, they're going to play their starters. Um, and then they have to, if there's no chance of playing for the one seed, which I think the only way that that'll happen is if they lose. And if the Packers win, um, then week 18, they would, cause the Packers have a one game lead over them right now. Um, so uh, week 18, uh, the the Cowboys would sort of have to weigh the um, the advantage of having the two seed versus the three seed versus the four seed and determine whether it's worth uh, playing their guys or not. So uh, whereas the Eagles, again, we'll get to this in a minute, um, you know, they have a better chance of clinching actually this week and being maybe not even locked into their seeding. But, you know, I think the advantage of resting starters uh, that as opposed to, you know, where, where they're seated is, is, you know, the, the, is sort of the, the better play. What was Nate's actual question about them possibly beating the cow is, can they beat the Cowboys twice in a row? And I would mm-hmm. say, no, that's probably pretty <laughs> unlikely because the Cowboys are way better than the Eagles. And, uh, if the Eagles really need that week 18 game, like if they, if they blow it against Washington or if they don't get sort of the help they need, um, week, uh, 17 and they're, playoff life depends on beating the Cowboys week 18. You know, they can beat them. Of course, it's possible they'll beat them. I, they're certainly not going to be favored in that game uh, by the odds makers. And then if they have to play in Dallas in uh, their first, I mean, great. It'll be very fun to cover that game and, and uh, the lead up to an Eagles Cowboys playoff game would be very fun. And, you know, have everyone in Philadelphia excited or whatever. Uh, but I, I think they probably be close to, I mean, maybe, maybe even like double digit underdogs. In that game, Eagles at Dallas, maybe not. Uh, I don't know, somewhere in that ballpark. I'd say like eight points. Yeah, eight to ten. I'd say is, is probably uh, is probably a good guess. So no, I don't. I don't like their chances to to beat the Cowboys in, in consecutive games. Man, I just thought about like if the Eagles do have to play the Cowboys in Week 18 for the playoffs, and they lose that game and don't make it. Man, like I know it's, it's going to be weird because I, I I still agree. I still maintain the position the season was like successful, mm-hmm. but when you're ending on that note, and then especially if the Cowboys, well, I guess if they went on to like win the Super Bowl, then people will be like, well, you know, they lost to the Super Bowl champ, so it's not the biggest deal. But I mean, the sting of the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl plus all of that would be be pretty bad. It'd be a long off season. A lot of positive least- things would kind of uh, be forgotten. <laughs> we'll well, say. And- Especially, but I also want to differentiate that from like losing to the Cowboys in the playoffs. If they got in and they lost to the yeah, Cowboys yeah, in the course. playoffs, I'd be like, well, okay, yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah. like at least they made it. But if they, if they didn't make the playoffs because <laughs> the Cowboys knocked them out, uh, yes. geez. Um, it'd be okay. karma for tanking last year. <laughs> uh, and then another question, <clears throat> by the way, um, from Vomit Breath mm. in the Apple podcast rating reviews, five stars. Love Vomit Breath. Uh, are you hoping? for the Eagles Cowboys wildcard game, Jimmy. Yeah. I mean, from, from my selfish perspective, I mean, it, it would be fun covering the lead up to that game. First of all, um, I'm sure there'd be like trash talk going back and forth between, um, you know, Dallas fans, Eagles fans and such. So that'd be fun to, to kind of watch. And then actually covering the game would be fun uh, out in Dallas. Uh, so for selfish perspective, for selfish reasons, I would enjoy yes. that. Uh, I don't give them much of a chance of winning that game in the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, I think there are better. I think there are certainly better opponents that they can hope for. 
Who do you think they realistically should hope for? Because obviously, I think the answer is the Cardinals, which you had on your list. Yeah. But I don't. I just don't think that's realistic. Like that's not going that. They're not going to get back in control. I believe of the NFC West. Um, so I don't think they're going to win their division. Right. Be a, or a realistic first round opponent. So putting the Cardinals aside, because we don't think that's realistic. Who do you think is the most ideal team for the Eagles to play in the first round? And I guess who's the team? that you don't think they should want to face the most. Yeah, as you said, I wrote an article on that. I'll just give the cliff notes on each of the four. So uh, after the Cardinals, I had the Packers because I think the Packers really struggle stopping the run. I think it's a good matchup for the Eagles. The Card- Aaron Rodgers against Jonathan Gannon's defense. <laughs> Pack- the Packers, they, they allow 4.8 yards per carry, which is actually second worst in the NFL to the Steelers, I think. Um, so they're vulnerable. And you, I mean, you look at like the, the game that they played against San Francisco, and this is a couple of years ago, of course, but like where Jimmy Garoppolo only had the attempt, I think like six or seven pass, passes the entire game. So like if the Eagles can run the ball effectively on them, they can shorten the game, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, I mean, they're, you know they, the Packers clearly have a much better quarterback. They have the best quarterback, arguably, uh, this season uh, in the NFL and Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, that's not to be overlooked, but I do like the Eagles' chances of sort of controlling the football in that game. Next, after them, I'd have the Rams. Rams uh, aren't as talented as the Buccaneers uh, or the Cowboys, um, but they do have stars littered throughout that team with Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. I think their defense is very underrated, um, but you know, you have a guy like Matthew Stafford, zero career playoff wins in 13 career seasons, get him on a bad day. Um, the, the, his first eight games versus his last Seven games, drastic difference. Like he was an MVP candidate after his first eight games, and not even anywhere near the conversation anymore at this point because he's sort of fallen. On off. that note, yep. Go ahead. By the way, uh, good note by Shield this week that I mentioned, I believe, on the podcast or the NFC mixtape. Uh, Stafford has had five below league average performances in terms of EPA play per okay. play in his last seven games. So mm-hmm. honestly, that's the team that realistically, personally, I would. What I think the Eagles should most want to face because McVay is a fraud and he's going to like in big moments in terms of when you're going to, this is true though. When he, when like the Rams are in a spot where they should go for a touchdown or they should go for it on fourth down, he's not going to do it because he's a coward because he's done this before and in the playoffs. And so you have that and you have Stafford, who I think, again, you mentioned could like buckle up. So By I would way, actually, I would, a lot of Eagles I'd want to play the Rams. There'd, there'd be a lot of Eagles yes. fans in LA too. Which, uh, well, that which, too. Yeah, I, I, I think the Rams are the most realistic, ideal opponent. And obviously, this is like lesser of the all the evils because these are you know all quality teams. They're not like a, they're. I don't think they're any joke of a teams except for maybe the Cardinals, the, their current iteration. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's my take. I would, I would, I think the Eagles should most want to play the Rams. Then I have the Cowboys. Uh, uh, I mean, they're very talented. As I said, I don't give the Eagles much of a chance to beat the Cowboys if they have to play them in the playoffs. Um, and then the number one team that I think the Eagles would like to avoid is Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Defensively, the Buccaneers, what they want to do every single week, no matter who they play, they want to come out and they want to stop the run. And they mm-hmm. and the Eagles were so afraid of that, they did, didn't even run the ball <laughs> earlier this year. Now, I don't think that'd be the case again if they had to play them again because they've, you know, they've since committed to the run. But, uh, I mean, the Buccaneers seek to take away, no matter who they play, what the Eagles do best. So I think it's just from a matchup perspective, that's not great. But then also Tom Brady has 37 career playoff wins. Uh, Dak Prescott has one. Matthew Stafford has zero. Aaron Rodgers, I think, has 11 for the career that Aaron Rodgers has had. If you tripled his playoff wins, he's still not – still doesn't have as many <laughs> as Tom Brady. It's crazy Jeez. to me. And, of course, Kyle Murray has none. Again, they're not – mm-hmm. they're a very unlikely first-round opponent. So, I mean – 
Tom Brady plus the way the Buccaneers play defensively, uh, they're my least appealing. For me personally, I wouldn't mind going to Tampa. <laughs> and by the way, there'd probably be some Eagles fans in Tampa if uh, if that were their first round opponent as well. But uh, yeah, give me give me the Bucks as the least appealing first round opponent for the Eagles. And question here from well, so, well, well, let me oh, hear, yeah, let me hear yours too. I'm I'm curious what your what your order would be. Well, I don't I don't know if I have them ranked at the top of my head yet. Uh, and I want to maybe save that for BGN, but I, I told you my least in my, I think the least, the, t- the team the Eagles should want to play the most is the Rams. Okay. And then the team the Eagles should want to play the least. Well, the thing about playing the Cowboys is like, it makes for a great opportunity. If you do beat them, like then again, like you're the end of, like you're kind of the end of They got to take their champions. banner down. Yeah. And if you eliminate <laughs> them, I mean, they wouldn't actually be the NFC champions. I get that. But, like, still, uh, it would be a very embarrassing and bad loss for the Cowboys to lose to the Eagles. And I would love to cover that on the NFC's mixtape and then have to uh, lord that over RJ the whole offseason. So, hopefully, that would be great. Um, but uh, you kind of talked me into the Bucks a little bit there because I, I didn't really think about the defense and the running game. Yeah, I just I think that would be tough. And then, again, we saw what Brady looks like against Gannon. And even with the adjustments, like – I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's going to make enough of a difference to beat that team. So uh, I think it's between the Cowboys and the Bucks for me because um, Cowboys, they're making a lot of plays on defense, and I think that would be tough for the Eagles. And then just uh, if, if assuming that offense stays hot, and I, again, I just think the Eagles are going to have a tough time matching that. So uh, I guess I'll lean with Bucks, but I've kind of been fearing the Cowboys more. I think the Cowboys – have a case that they're the best team in the NFL. And obviously, you know, you can put the Chiefs up there, like you would say. But, I mean, I think they're right there, though, with them. I think the Cowboys are a better team than the Bucks, even if the Bucks might be, you know, maybe more a little bit more matchup-specific to the Eagles. Um, but that's where I have it. But why don't we get into the Eagles, Jimmy? Because, you know, usually we do our Eagles pick last, but I want to do it first here because yeah, it makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. In terms of let's you know setting it up for Sunday in Week 17, where the Eagles can clinch, as I talked about on the NFC East mixtape with RJ, there's three windows. You know, there's, there's obviously three windows every Sunday, but there's th- for the sake of the Eagles' playoff clinching scenario, there's three windows that it, we should break it down. And the first window starts with the Eagles playing the Washington football team. And obviously, if the Eagles don't win this game, then you know everything else is kind of moot. Not in terms, to- not totally in terms of the Eagles making the playoffs still and getting help for Week 18, but just in terms of being able to clinch this weekend. I'm going to take the Eagles to beat the Washington football team. They're three and a half point favorites on the road. I think I'm going to take them to cover. I don't feel like, I do feel like there could be something to Washington having life. But then again, you put Darius Slay on Terry McLaurin. Antonio Gibson might be out and the running game, Washington's running game wasn't able to do anything against the Eagles last time. Uh I think the defense can hold up against whoever's starting at quarterback because they've been able to hold up against the bad quarterback. So I think it could be like a one score game. But I think that being said, you know, I think the Eagles can win by like, you know, a touchdown as opposed to just a field goal. So I think it might be cutting it close. If this line was like five points, maybe I take the points, but I will take the Eagles to cover maybe even just barely. I'll say they win 24 to 20. What about you? Yeah, I uh, I think I'm the pick that I made for when, like our Philly voice roundup. I think I had them winning by three, but not, now that I think about it a little bit more, I think this is going to be one of those games where we think there's going to be some upset potential, and then by the third quarter they're up by like thirty. <laughs> I don't think thirty is probably there, but they're up by like 
you know, two, three scores or something like that. Like 14, 21, something like that. Uh, so, yeah, I'll take the Eagles and uh, I'll, I'll lay the three and a half against a Washington football team that uh, looks like they are ready to pack it in and uh, take a flight down to Cabo. So the Eagles win, and that moves us to the late game window. Four o'clock starts where the Eagles need one of two outcomes in this window. They either, and, I, and obviously if they get both, great, but they either need the 49ers to beat the Texans mm-hmm. or they need the Panthers to beat the Saints. Now, the 49ers are 13-point favorites against the Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. Are you comfortable taking the 49ers to win that game? Texans beat, who, the Chargers last week? Yep, the Super Chargers. I'll take, I'll take the Texans in 13. Wow. I mean, I'll take the 49ers to win, but I'll take the 13 points in the Texans. The 49ers aren't that good. Jimmy Garoppolo stinks. <laughs> like, mm. give me the Texans. Well, it might 13. be Trey Lance. Might be Trey Lance. Did they starting. say that? Oh, well, well I guess Jimmy, he, Jimmy's yeah, been Jimmy, hurt. Jimmy has the, uh, the, the thumb injury. He's got, he got what, a yeah. torn ligament and a broken bone, I think, in his thumb. And his throwing hand. I don't know how you can play with that. Trey Lance should have been their starter all season long, by the way. Uh, but. Won't get into all that here, but uh, yeah. So even more reason, I think, uh, to take the Texans plus 13. But are you going to take the 49ers to win? Because that obviously I'll take the 49ers the to win, need. yes. yeah. Okay. So they'll do their part in helping the Eagles uh, clinch Week 17. Okay, I'll take the Texans with the points too, just because it's a lot. Uh, that moves us to the Panthers at Saints. And boy, uh, don't feel great about either of these teams right now. <laughs> no. The spot they're in. Uh that's this is really tough. That's it's just so many points for a team that started Ian Book and like couldn't do anything offensively. But the Panthers are just garbage. They don't have a quarterback. Uh, uh, I guess I trust. Oh man, I don't know. Well, who are you taking? Well, it's funny because the Panthers are now going back to Sam Darnold. So they bench Sam Darnold. <sighs> they try. Who did they try before Cam Newton? PJ Walker. Okay. And now they're back to Sam Darnold. So not only do the, do the Panthers, you know, acknowledge, okay, Sam Darnold stinks, but also we don't have anyone else worth playing just to take a look at them. So that's where they are uh, in week 17 this year. Uh, I'll take the Saints to win um, because, you know, they'll get their guys back. They'll have Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill back. And I don't think either of those guys are legit NFL quarterbacks, but they're better than the Panthers. So, uh, and they have more to play for than the Panthers, obviously. So yeah, give me the Saints, but you know, I'll take the uh, I'll take the Panthers and the points. Okay, I can't. I just I can't feel good about the Panthers at all. Um, maybe the Saints defense can create a turnover or two, like a pick six or two. Like that's I, I have some faith that their defense can play well. So that's how I have to look at it. That I'm putting faith in something, but boy. Uh, don't feel great about it, but whatever. For the Eagles' sake, doesn't necessarily matter if the 49ers win. Uh, that's the, one of the two results they need, which brings us to the late game window, which I really hope, it, like, at least get us to the late game window. Like, I, I, we need to see this, especially because, very selfishly, RJ and my co-host on the SB Nation NFL shows, uh, The Oddcast, which airs on Tuesdays, Rob Stats Guerrera, have been, like, sticking their neck out for Kirk Cousins. They've been like... <laughs> Why? They're like... 
<laughs> oh, I know. But, well, they're like, well, we're not saying he's the best quarterback in the NFL or like an elite guy. I'm like, okay, but you're still going out of your way to be like, he's better than people think. He's not one of the very worst starters. No one is saying he's one of the very worst starters. <laughs> right. People are saying he's a loser. Like he, like the stats are empty and he is though. He, he has negative intangibles. You cannot count on him in a big moment. My lock of the week last week was the Rams beating the Vikings. I was like, I am like in, in the weekly NFL picks against the spread column. I do. I was like, this is my lock of the week. I'm, I'm so confident that the Vikings are not going to win this game. And I'm also very confident that they're not going to win this game because the Packers don't lose in Lambeau. And I know the roster isn't great or whatever. And I know the Vikings beat the Packers earlier this year, but that's part of the why I have confidence in Green Bay. Like Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, Mike Zimmer is about to get fired. They're going to sweep. The Packers this year, I can't see that happening. I am taking the Packers, who are six-point favorites at home. I think the Packers help deliver the playoff uh, spot clinch to the Eagles by winning this game, because that's what it would take, um, and the Vikings losing. And a crazy scenario where the Eagles can potentially rest their starters in Week 18. And also, obviously, the benefit of the Packers winning this game is to help keep Dallas away from that number one seed, uh, at least for one more week, and, and making you know Dallas really fight for it if they want to get it in Week 18. And if the Packers somehow lose to those Lions I talked about earlier. So I'm going to take the Vikings to lose, the Packers to cover, and the Eagles are punching their ticket to the playoffs. Yeah, so the thing about uh, Kirk Cousins in this matchup is, one, he's playing a team that is going to finish this season with a winning record, and uh, two, he's playing in prime time. And as you love to point out, he sucks against teams that finish with with finish season with, with, with winning records. So from 2012 to 2020, he was 7-35 and 35 for a winning percentage <laughs> of 166 against teams that have finished the season with a winning record. So far in 2021, he's one and four against teams that have already mm. clinched a winning record in 2021 right. with that one win being the aforementioned win over these very Packers. This line's weird. Like it's weird to me that it's only six and a half. <laughs> like, I don't know why it's so low, but uh, uh, also in, pri- no, sorry, in prime time, uh, Kirk, he's actually won his last two prime time games. Uh, one was against the Steelers recently, and the other, and then the Bears was, the, was yes, the Bears. So, and they didn't even play that well in that game, and he, he didn't play that well. Even with those two wins, he's a career ten and seventeen in primetime games for a. And they almost blew. And they almost blew the Steelers game, by the way. <laughs> winning percentage of three seventy, and they won that game on the strength of Dalvin Cook just carving them up in the run game too. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, uh, I'm not a Kirk Cousins guy either. Not only is he a loser, as you say, but he's also sort of a dork. And uh, the my, the one thing that I'll, when I'm 70, 80 years old, the one thing I'll re- always remember about Kirk Cousins is when he was like given the the, the wide receiver instruction to Adam oh, yeah. Thielen on how to run his route. And uh, Stephon Diggs, yeah. On the sideline. And Adam Thielen just looked like he wanted to punch him in the face. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, give me the Packers. And I'm with you. I think um, all three of the things that the Eagles need to have win to clinch a playoff berth week 17, I think they all happen. I think the Eagles beat Washington. I think the 49ers will beat the Texans. I do think the Saints will beat the Panthers, but they only need one of those mm-hmm. two things to happen. Right. And then, of course, I think the Packers will take care of the Vikings on Sunday Night Football. 
Ooh, baby. And then we'll get a week to talk about should the Eagles rest their starters. We can get we can save that for next week, I feel like. Um, if it actually happens. Uh crazy. Crazy to think that again, we could be in a situation where the Eagles are resting their starters in a week. And also if, if anyone told you that, like before the season, <laughs> well, we wouldn't not only wouldn't like believe you, probably, but also would, would not believe like how it happened. Yes. You know, like, well, actually the Cowboys won the division. The Eagles are gonna be able to rest their starters right. somehow. Um, so that's fun. Uh, hopefully it happens. We'll see. Normally you associate uh, that with like wrapping up the one seed, like they did in 2017 and they rested their starters and they lost six, nothing to the Cowboys with Nate yes. Sudfeld. Uh, any final, that was actually, do you remember who's made their debut in that game? Their Eagles debut. Uh, offensively or defensively defense. Oh yes. Sydney Jones. Sydney Jones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually played okay in that game too. That was actually like a layer of intrigue to a meaningless game. Um, any final thoughts, Jimmy? Yeah, very quick story. Um, I had a radio hit yesterday with uh, a, a Washington D.C. radio station, and I'd forgotten that uh, you know the they, fan. They, what's that? Was it the fan? I don't even know. <laughs> I know Chad the re- I know the reporter. Whatever. I know the reporter who asked me to do it. I don't even know what radio station it was. Um, wow. <laughs> Flex on disrespectful <laughs> but I, they scheduled i forgot that i had scheduled it uh it was four o'clock yesterday and i was in my car and i get a phone call and it's a maryland number and uh it said potential spam so <laughs> i answered the phone and i go yeah, 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 hello uh. <laughs> and they're like they're like jimmy and i'm like uh. and i didn't know what to do at that point so i just hung up so then <laughs> What if you? What if you? What if you decided like that you were too embarrassed to like admit that you were messing around, and then just did the radio hit in that voice because like you wanted to make it seem like you weren't messing with them? That was your actual voice. Yeah. (laughs) So they called back like a like you know like ten seconds later, and this time I answered them. I go hello, and they're like like, Jimmy. I'm like. Yes, this is Jimmy. How can I help you? And they're like, "Oh yeah, this is blah 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 blah." Are you ready? Are you ready to talk to Chris Russell? Like, oh, yes, that would be great. Thank you. <laughs> so, I mean, they totally talked about that off air. Like, yeah. So the way that I answered the phone call initially just went completely unspoken yeah. about thereafter. Right. I mean, <laughs> but, oh, the, between you, the producer yeah. that called me thinks that like I'm an insane <laughs> <Yeah>. person. <laughs> <laughs> well you are so that's oh, fair yeah. um so that's your final thought uh my final thought jimmy is that uh really sad that john madden passed away yes obviously you know he was uh you know older he was 85 and his time is coming to an end you know at some point but uh kind of crazy how influential like i mean he is it crazy to say he is like the most influential person in American football history. Cause it's just, you know, between the success he had as a coach, which I think probably gets underrated, especially by like people in my generation, younger, because we just didn't, weren't able to really appreciate that and be alive for that. And obviously I think the way he retired early too, um, when he, you know, could have gone on for a long time, probably plays into that too. But I mean, he has the highest winning percentage of any coach, except like, I think one guy, but whatever. Um, that, that guy coached in, in fewer, coached fewer games. And then obviously what he did as a broadcaster and mm-hmm. just like, I don't, 
it's crazy to say, and I feel like a lot of people say this sometimes, and it's like performative, and it's like not necessarily true. But when I think about it, like I don't know if I would be into football, like if it weren't for John Madden, and you know, like in hearing him on the broadcast, mm-hmm. and like thinking, oh, that's fun, and hearing him on the video game, mm-hmm. and playing the video game, like playing Madden is how I learned football. Because my parents weren't big in the sports, and I didn't play football growing up. Like I had the video game, and I'd be playing it, and then I would start watching, you know, the Eagles. Uh, and my parents would be like, "How do you know the rules? Like, how do you know this?" And I'm like, "Well, I played, <laughs> right. I, know, I played the video game, and that's yeah. how I learned it all." So I, it's huge, and I think uh, to have that kind of you know influence on so many people and will for years to come, you know, Madden's still you know going strong and whatever. Uh, I just think that's really cool, um, and it's it's kind of a little cool tidbit, I think at least like that he was an Eagle in his mm-hmm. brief NFL career. He was drafted by them in like the 21st round, which is it, it equates to like the seventh round today is yeah. like 200 something pick. Um, and also I didn't even realize this until a couple of days ago, but for some reason, no really, no good, really good reason at all. I was just like looking up some random interviews that he did or whatever on YouTube in the past. And he was on the Letterman show at one point and he was talking about how, he had a theory on jersey numbers. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is like Ben Solak and I literally do a podcast about this every year, you know, and we make fun of it, jersey number analytics. But like, it turns out like John Madden was like the forefather of this. And he actually had like really strong opinions on like people should wear a certain number uh, or certain positions and certain players and certain body types should wear certain numbers. So like, like, man, like that, that's like, that was so crazy to me. And, and that's really awesome. So, uh, like sad, obviously that he's gone, but but like you know, like really cool to honor him and uh and just what a guy. He he put a stamp on multiple generations because as you mentioned, he yeah. was a head coach and you know from like 1969 until 1978. His career record it's 103, <laughs> it's 32, and somehow they tied seven times. <laughs> but, yeah, but his career winning percentage was 759. And that, so he was like, you know, one of the top coaches and he only won one Super Bowl over in that span, uh, oddly enough. But, but um, I well, mean, he did, but like it, it, to like kind of put context for that, he's playing in the same era as what, like, like Don Shula mm-hmm. yeah, and in yeah, yeah. the purple people eaters. And like, he played in like, like the, the era he was coaching in, there was like some other really yeah. like famous and, and, the huge, NFC and so Cowboys it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, he's, he, he was, he was one of the best coaches. Uh, during his time, he was the number one broadcast team for like a really long time. And then, as you mentioned, the video game, everyone knows that. So, like, if you're eight years old, you probably know who John Madden is to some degree. So it's uh, it's it's kind of crazy how like the longevity that he has sort of uh, been a major piece uh, in in you know, sort of NFL history. The last thing I'll say, Madden, and it's actually something that reminds me of what you say a lot. And I think what I can lose focus of and the fandom and today, and especially like people on Twitter and getting into arguments and comment sections and whatever we can all lose sight of is this is supposed to be fun. Yes. Like football is supposed to be fun. I know that sounds like maybe obvious to some people, but I think we lose sight of that. And John Madden never did seem to lose sight of that. And because he made football fun when he was on the broadcast. And I think that's, and then even the Jersey number thing, like that's just like, that's, it sounds silly. Like it doesn't mean anything. Like it's just, we're just describing random, you know, numbers and attributes. It doesn't, there's no like actual science behind that, but like it's something he cared about because it was fun. It was just a fun thing to think about and talk about. Um, so I think that's another a big thing. And it's unfortunate. I don't think we have that same kind of 
person or same kind of characteristic in today's game as much, um, which is why, you know, he was a legend and he was special. And it's sad that again, that he's gone and, and there's not going to be, you know, another John Madden, at least anytime soon. Right. So, uh, there you go. All right, Jimmy, uh, that does it for this extended edition. Yeah. Big episode here. There's a lot to get to. So far. Well, the playoffs are coming up. There's a, it's a, it's a big jam packed episode. There's a lot to get to. Um, this has been BTN Radio 230, sponsored by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Go to RighteousFelon.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Or if you're like Rube and you want some dog treats, you would go to WildNaturePet.com and you'd go to, and you use the same discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. You can go to RoachRealtors.com if you're looking to buy, sell, or rent, or looking for, you know, some real estate advice or connections. You can contact Kristen Roach by calling slash texting her at 856-906-9295. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon Gowton. Follow Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. Follow at BGN underscore radio on Twitter for the podcast Twitter account at Bleeding Green for the website Twitter account. You can check out hogtaven.com this week for you know Washington coverage if you want to check it, that out. Um, you can also check out the SB Nation NFL show. You know, the playoffs are heating up and we're talking about the Eagles, but also all of the other teams as well, the teams that the Eagles could be playing. So you want to check out that league-wide perspective by rating, reviewing, subscribing to the SB Nation NFL show. And obviously, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff to the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. So you're not only getting this show, BGN Radio, but you're checking out all the other shows that we have on the network, which there are plenty. So there's something for everyone, and that's fun. All right, Jimmy, uh, Eagles win this week. They clinch, and then we'll be back for next week to break down an interesting kind of game in terms of are the Eagles going to rest their starters maybe? Or maybe I'm jinxing it and the Eagles are going to have to play their starters and play the Cowboys for a playoff spot. Who knows? A lot of interesting scenarios could come up and we will be here with you to talk about them all regardless. Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash Vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash Vox for $1,000 off Vanta.